to go eventually to a merit-based system of immigration. Merit. You come in on merit. I just wanted to get that clip from the rally on because there's a lot of clips on there that, you know, you can quibble with this and that or he gets blasted for in the mainstream media. But that polls very well, that merit-based system for immigration. Something like 70% of Americans are in favor of that. Crowd goes wild. I heard on cable news it's uh, racist. Well, America likes it. Yeah, right. So uh, more clips of the president. Uh, Your blood pressure reading is wrong, dangerously so. Uh, Let's see. Forced solar in California, one of our topics, and a beautiful, elegant dismantling of the cultural appropriation stupidity. Uh, Stay tuned for all of that. We will jam it in as effectively as possible. Oh, yeah. Stay tuned for the blood pressure story. Oh, yeah. That's the number one thing you take away from a lot of your uh, stopping by the doctors. Yeah, I, I promise we'll get to that this half hour, no matter what it takes. Right now, though, we're joined by Jen Zarek Gold, the editor-in-chief and co-developer of The Knife Media, a website uh, that devotes itself to looking into uh, media bias and spin and that sort of thing and just dead, serious, uh, did factual reporting. Jens, how are you, sir? Good morning, gentlemen. I'm great. How are you? Uh, just fine. Thank you. Hey, why don't we start with... Um, the story that got so much heat for a few days last week, in the past week, the uh, Stormy Daniels, I refer to, I, I re- refuse to refer to him as her attorney because he's functioning as her promoter, her porn skank promoter. But her porn skank promoter's accusation about I, Michael I think, Cohen's banking record. I think Jens might see some prejudicial value in the term skank in terms of the, in what the, sense? describing. Really? The, the young lady. Well, I, I retract my comments then. But anyway, Avenatti's accusations against the Cohen banking records. What would you all make of that? Well, that story, the way it was reported, actually rated higher than a lot of the the stories that we do, especially about these people and these topics. Uh, but there was some, there was a dramatic tone throughout, basically is a good way to describe it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, which, yes, which subtly, or not so subtly sometimes, um, can imply wrongdoing. You know? And so that's not neutral or objective. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to... Uh, I'll let you get back to it, but I, I noticed that the other night. I, was, I turned in Rachel Maddow, good interviewer, smart lady, always has all her info and everything like that, and she's talking to uh, Stormy's lawyer, and they have this very urgent, serious tone going. Like, oh, my God, this is huge. But I just couldn't figure out what the important huge part was. <laughs> and the, But the tone was, oh, my God. Yeah, and, and with written media, a lot of it is, it, it read almost like a novel or a short story, something, some narrative, which, which brings drama. So you, so you get the sense that something is wrong, but then they don't tell you in database term exactly what it is. Okay, so just broad hints and tone that this is nefarious. But they never get to the nefarious part. Um, but overall, you thought the coverage of that was pretty good. Well, it was more factual than a lot of the Stormy Daniels Trump coverage has not been uh, factual. Well, speaking of one, Stephanie Clifford, a porn actress, uh, what do you think of the coverage of uh, Rudy Giuliani's media tour? And I chuckle as I bring that up because there were some comedic elements to it, no denying it. Well, uh, what a lot of outlets either implied or said directly was that Trump lied or contradicted himself. And the, the interesting thing there is that it wasn't, he may have, I mean, he, he may have perf- known perfectly well that that payment was made when he said that he didn't in April, but they didn't prove it. First of all, lying implies intent. So you have to improve, you have to prove that he knowingly uh, made a false statement, but also with contradiction, contradiction means something 
can't be true and false at the same time. He could have said, no, I didn't know in April, and then known about a payment in May and learned about it in that interim. So logically speaking, you can't say that there was a contradiction. Hmm. Interesting point. Yeah, I kind of tried to make the point myself on the air about that, but um, uh, you did it better. So, uh, you know, we're not familiar, looking down the list of stuff you, you said you might we might find interesting, I don't know the Colorado State incident, a couple of Native Americans questioned by cops on a campus tour. Tell us about that story. Yeah, so this was interesting. So, um, campus tour of Colorado State, right, for prospective students, uh, um, two Native American boys joined the tour late. Uh, they, they're not with their parents, they're just on the tour. One of the mothers on the tour uh, gets suspicious and concerned about these two kids, leaves the tour to call the cops. Uh, calls the cops. There's this five-minute phone call with a dispatcher. They dispatch some policemen, and they pull these kids out of the tour and question them. Okay, so this gets to the media, and nationwide it becomes a headline that this was racial profiling because they were Native Americans. So... We took the audio of the call with the police and the video of the of the um, when they questioned when the police questioned the um, the kids and broke it down. And what was interesting is that the woman, the mother, doesn't say really anything about their race or their nationality when she's describing her concerns. So there's really no data to substantiate that it was racial profiling, which kind of makes there's a problem with that narrative. Then. Um. So what what was the basis of the call? What was she concerned about? Well, she was concerned about their behavior was, quote, odd. They didn't give their names. They appeared to be lying. They were wearing black clothes with weird symbolism. One of them had his left hand in his oversized sweatshirt the whole time. It was until the very end of the call that the dispatcher asked her about their race, and she said that she thought they were Hispanic, which they weren't. Uh, but she didn't seem to be very concerned or focused on that. So... It, you know, maybe that was why she called, but there wasn't much information to support that. So to make that the main subject of the media coverage seems jumping to conclusions. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Typical. Typical, but interesting. Jen Zarek, Gold, Editor-in-Chief and Co-Developer of The Knife Media, is on the line. Uh, any other ones you think the folks would enjoy hearing about? Well, we did a fun quiz with our readers that I thought might be interesting on the, the Trump. So Trump tweeted about the Mueller investigation, as he often does this week. Uh, and we put out the lead sentences. So different outlets spun it and slanted it in very different ways, even though it was the same tweet. Yeah, uh, I, I saw we, I saw what you wrote here, that the New York Times and Washington Post had it so much different than Fox and Breitbart, it just seemed like they were covering completely different stories, which happens a lot, I notice, when I take in news at night. Yeah, so I thought so I could read I thought I could read a couple of lead sentences and maybe uh, the listeners can guess which outlet they correspond to. Great, yeah, let's do it. All right, so the answers are, and then no, and not in the right order, these are the four outlets. New York Times, Washington Post, Fox News, and Breitbart. So here's the first one. President Trump lashed out anew Monday at the special counsel's investigation into Russian election interference. Hmm. Any guess? It's got to be the WAPO or the New York Times, obviously. Yeah, it's WAPO. Okay. Yeah, it was a little restrained for the New York Times. Go on. So now, President Trump turned up the heat on special counsel Robert Mueller's team early Monday. Wow, you know, and I heard a headline along those lines, and uh, and it led me a certain direction, but that that's really good. So that's obviously Fox or Breitbart. Yeah, I'm saying Fox. Yep, yep it's Fox. Yes. 
President Trump trained his rancor on federal investigators on Monday and appeared to warn that negative material would emerge. Trained his rancor. That sounds like the New York Times. Somebody you got chewing it. on their thesaurus. Obviously, the last one left is Breitbart. I'm looking forward to this. President Donald Trump continued questioning the ongoing Russian investigation. That's pretty good. Boy, well, wait a minute. That's pretty good. That is a devoid of vitro, of, uh, you know, hyperbole. That was very straightforward. It was. You'll find that often on 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 them uh, on their site. They do but that sometimes. That that such a great example to everyone listening right now. There you have one presidential tweet, four different ways of 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 leading you a certain direction, or not trying to lead you at all. Um, in the way you take it in, and you can't help it. I can't help it. When you hear the headline, it points you in a certain direction. Trump blasts. Yeah. Trump continued to question. Yeah. That's really interesting stuff. Yeah, that's what they do over there at the Knife Media. Jens Eric Gould is the editor-in-chief and the co-founder. Jens, uh, great to talk to you as always. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Have a great weekend. Have a good week. Keep digging. That's so interesting. And I'm, I, you know, I, I Turning up the heat on somebody... You're you're in the driver's seat, right? The other one, what was that word about the, the particular word they chose for him yelling? But that lashed out. Lashed that, out that's yeah. when you're out of control. Right? People who lash out are out of control. Indeed, the coverage of the Gina Haspel CIA nomination, lots of drama, little data. The Wapo led the way with 51 percent total integrity. Fox 45, wow. Vox 38, Politico 36 percent. Total integrity of that story. I would agree. It was all about the conflict and absolutely no looking into the facts of the thing. I found the, the coverage. I find the coverage of that very frustrating. God, I, you know, the, the old saying is we get the, the, the media we deserve, the government we deserve. I, is that true? Is that still true? The Colorado State thing with the two uh, the weirdly behaving youngsters. USA Today got 71% total integrity. Down at the bottom, the Guardian, 33%. Really trying to whip it up. Uh, Trump, Giuliani, and Daniels. Fox led the way with 69% total integrity. At the bottom, HuffPo with 20% total integrity. Um, how do you feel about a state forcing solar into the houses? And your blood pressure reading is so inaccurate, it's a waste of time. I can't believe I didn't know Mostly. This. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Jack, my lawnmower has 16 speeds, a steering wheel, beer holders, and an American flag. Yes. Along with a state of Jefferson flag mounted on the back. Nothing Marco. wrong Nothing wrong with self-propulsion. <laughs> I feel like General Patton every time I mow. Wow. I am merely <laughs> jealous of you, sir. I did move my elliptical machine with the tractor yesterday and got it closer <laughs> to the house, so I'm working on that. That's a fantastic sentence. <laughs> Yeah. So, so much to get to this hour. Let's get underway. I have... Do I start with a personal commentary? Yes, I do. I have... I'm genetically predisposed to having high blood pressure, so I've been dealing with it since I was a fairly young adult. Um, And 
you know, like everybody, I get my blood pressure taken when I go to the doctor and I care about it because, you know, if something's going to kill me, that's it. That and time. I'm genetically predisposed to have perfectly great blood pressure and it was high for a while Mm -hmm. and sent me into a tizzy and now I hear this. Well, yeah, and, and I've learned how to take it at home and every time I go to the doctor's office, they take it and it's higher than I'd like it to be. And they don't do any of the things that you're supposed to do to take your blood pressure. Mm. And I've always thought, what's going on with this? Am I, how can, how can this be as screwed up as it seems? I brought that up one time to the, uh, what do you call them? Physician's Uh, assistant? Yeah, or or nurse or whatever. Yeah, I brought that up one time. I said, you know, I read the instructions because I got one for home because I'd read high for the first time in my life. I said, the instructions say my elbow need to be at least this high. And when you do it, she got really mad at me. Oh, boy. For telling her how to do her job. Oh, boy. I know how to take blood pressure. She was not happy with me. Well, listen to this. It's a familiar scenario. You find yourself at the doctor's office sitting on the edge of an exam table with your feet dangling inches above the floor. The nurse or medical assistant who seconds ago instructed you now to sit now asks you questions about the reason for your visit, all while taking your blood pressure. The measurement, however, could come back dangerously high and flat wrong. Together, the dangling feet, the unsupported back, even the chit-chat are more than enough to throw off a blood pressure reading and classify a patient as having high blood pressure when he or she doesn't. Nothing counts so much as blood. That's right, Gene. And if that measurement was taken with the blood pressure cuff on top of a shirt sleeve instead of a bare arm, always. I've even asked, should I roll up my sleeve? No, that's okay. It could push a patient's reading high enough to qualify for medication that might not be needed. Until recently, high blood pressure or hypertension was defined by any measurement. 140 or higher is the top number. That would be your systolic measurement. And Mm -hmm. 90 or greater is the bottom. Mm. Your diastolic. Uh, I used to be Catholic, but now I converted to diastolicism. Last November, the American Heart Association... Do you allow gay marriage? Oh, Lord, no. No. Unless they have low blood pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Then I I bless them. Um, now it's 130 over 80, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that change of 10 millimeters of mercury was enough to classify nearly half of all Americans as having uh, hypertension. Um, yeah, I couldn't figure out over the recent years if they're trying to uh, alert us all to health dangers better or if they're just trying to get everybody classified as close to high blood pressure so we can all get on some sort of medication. Millimeters of mercury are doing their reunion tour. Not worth it. It Really? It doesn't hold up. Right. They got a little Filipino guy singing lead instead of the original. (laughs) Well, the lead singer choked on his own vomit. Well, yeah. From high blood pressure. That's right. So listen up. This doctor, who is the vice president of health outcomes for the American Medical Association, uh, points out, uh, everybody does it wrong. They're trying to raise awareness to correct the most common errors people make when measuring blood pressure at home or more commonly, at a doctor's office. Um, listen so, to this and, and check off. the. Go ahead. Would it be true, then, that when you uh, sit down at the Walmart or wherever mm-hmm. you are and stick your arm in that thing, that that might be a better way to do it than being yes. done at the doctor? If the you're machine is properly and, calibrated. Right. Well, here's your checklist. And these things are essential to getting an accurate reading. And check off how many of these happen at your doctor's office. Here are... Okay, both feet need to rest on the ground or on a stool. I don't think I've ever had my blood pressure taken with my feet touching something. Your back needs to be supported as well as your arm, I know which should be propped at heart level. All these things are essential. 
Other mistakes, failing to rest before a measurement, sit quietly for five minutes. Yeah, that never happens. That, that yeah, rarely happens. It's a, I don't know how realistic that is. Of course, if I get to my doctor's appointment so a little earlier, maybe it would happen. <laughs> don't place a cuff over clothing. Depending on the thickness of the sleeve, clothing can add up to 50 points to a reading. Needs to be on You're a bare arm. 270 over 150. Yeah. If you use the wrong sized cuff, because I have a massive arm. <laughs> I, I, uh, me and Dwayne the Rock Johnson chipped in on having specially made blood pressure cuffs. They have to put two cuffs together. That's right. Two nurses in there pumping those things. Oh, and talking, avoid the small talk. Even active listening can add 10 points. Always talking. That's yeah. what I've given. The other day, mine was a little high, and I had just. Uh, parked, parked far away, walked fast across up like three flights of stairs and then across the walkway and all that sort of stuff. And she said, it might be because of that. Well, it's a pretty important health indicator. So what are we doing here? Yeah. Sh- Cause it is important. She, shouldn't we wait until I calm down then do it again or yeah. something? High BP is not a joke. It, it will do terrible things to you. Kidney failure, stroke, et cetera. It's not a joke. So you'd think it'd be a priority. But uh, this doctor, the director of the hypertension program at the University of Pennsylvania Hospital, um, says uh, they worked with the AMA on a study where they implemented a blood pressure check challenge to nearly 160 medical students. Only one out of 11 uh, uh, performed, I'm sorry, only one student out of 160 performed all 11 measurement elements correctly. One out of 160. So, you know, here's here's your bottom line. This is what I do. Get a good cuff. You know, you can get a, a good one at the store, a battery-powered one for 30 40 50 bucks, something like that, uh, at the drugstore, and, and read the directions and follow them at home and, and check your blood pressure. When you're completely again. calm. Yeah. Take five minutes. you got to sit still for five minutes. So, anyway, I found that incredibly interesting. I'd say. Guy. You know, on the other end of the spectrum, though, for the longest time in my 20s, in early 30s, I'd go to the doctor, and they'd check my blood pressure, and it'd be really high. And the nurse or the doctor would say, well, you got your kid with you, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or, well, oh, you're on cold medicine. But it turned out, no, I have really high blood pressure. So it was weird. For a long time, they were making excuses for me um, and not diagnosing it. Hmm. And then it turned into taking wildly incorrect readings because they don't follow any of the damn rules. What the hell? And this is the best medical care on earth. It's an in, in, it's an in a hurry checking a box thing. This is one of the things I got to do. I think it is. I wrote it down. Done. Oh man, we got a lot to get to this hour. Got to hurry, hurry. What's coming up in your news? Would you raise your blood pressure? Hurry up, Marshall. <laughs> Iran, Israel facing off over Syria. Turns out the Pentagon's against the Trump administration's move to lift the ban on offshore oil drilling. And a Friday listicle, the world's richest musicians. Stories coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Kenny. I like all those stories. You know, I'm going to so stay tuned. Thanks for buying me a BLT, by the way. You got it. With your ill-gotten gambling winnings. Indeed. Well, they weren't ill-gotten. They were a per- 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 properly gotten. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So the Trump rally's getting a lot of play. I noticed on all the uh, the channels, the network channels and the cable news and that sort of stuff. His big rally in Indiana, for better or worse, they're either praising it or mocking it. But he does those big rallies; crowds go wild. It's it's so interesting to see. It's uh, 
it's a you know sociological and political phenomenon. Right. There's some stuff that's kind of goofy. There's some stuff that's great. Him talking about all the assumptions of government, him stepping in. We talked earlier about the embassy. It's going to be a billion dollars. He said, why is it got to be a billion dollars? And he made some calls, and it's going to be a fraction of that. But everybody's getting rich off of government, and, and he's in there. Maybe he's not draining the swamp, but at least he's, you know, kicking the muck around a little bit. I'll admit I rolled my eyes when he said, and we're saying Merry Christmas again, and the crowd went wild. And I'm pro saying Merry Christmas, but just, <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres is urging an immediate halt to all hostile acts to avoid a new conflagration in the Middle East after Israeli forces bombed Iranian targets inside of Syria. Israel say the, says the strikes were in retaliation for an Iranian rocket barrage on its positions in the Golan Heights and has called on the Security Council to immediately condemn Iran's attack. What's interesting is the uh, supreme leader there in Iran yes. got a hold of Merkel in Germany and said, we don't want to escalate this thing. What happened? Oh, I'll bet, because nobody knows who's in charge in Iran, the Quds Force, your Revolutionary Guard. You know, do they take orders from the civilian leadership, including the clerics? Or do they kind of take orders? Or what's going on? I wonder if the, the military guys decided, yeah, we're doing this. And the mullahs and President Rouhani said, what the hell are you doing? And Iran took all of that stuff out yesterday. Their biggest attack, offensive attack since the Yom Kippur War in 1973. Israel. Israel, Israel, yeah. yeah, Which is amazing. And Iran's response, at least from their religious leader, is, hey, we don't want this to go any further. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Our bad. Bye. Right. Yeah, that's weird. I, You know, dang it. One more geopolitical mystery that it's going to be fun to watch how secure is that regime what's going to happen there in 10 years because it looks pretty shaky fox news is saying that a retired air force general tom mcinerney who had called senator john mccain songbird john for allegedly providing information to the north vietnamese while he was a prisoner of war is not going to be invited back here's what he said well she can't use it anymore because it's we have determined the Congress that it's not legal. The fact is, is John McCain, it worked on John. That's why they call him Songbird John. The fact is, is you, those methods can work and they're effective as uh, former Vice President Cheney said. And if we have to use them to save a million American lives, we will do whatever yeah. we have to. Now the general was that talking... That is so out of line. So a discussion of whether or not torture works, right. perfectly legitimate. Uh, given the CIA director this week and everything like that, but to somehow throw John McCain out as as portraying him as weak somehow or I mean, a hypocrite or, or that's just it's awful as he lies lays dying yeah well even if he's not laid dying he's a prisoner of war who right. was tortured for years what, what the hell wow that's incredible and that's why they call him Songbird John I've never heard anybody call him that. Nope. So, even opponents when he was running for president. That's because I wouldn't go there. And who would? I mean, if I was in the Hanoi Hilton, getting knocked around right. for years, too, and I decided I wanted to criticize John McCain, okay, right. all right. John McCain, who you, famously you have the right, maybe. didn't get released when he could have been, because he said, I'm not going until these other guys get let loose, right. too. Wow. That is so out of bounds. Yeah, and the idea that McCain gave up information during the war was judged false years ago right, by PolitiFact. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, that didn't happen anyway, but yeah. 
Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, Fox is saying that McInerney will no longer be allowed on the network. Well, I'd say for good reason. Wow. Washington Examiner is reporting the Pentagon is warning offshore drilling in the eastern Gulf of Mexico would pose extreme problems for military exercises that it carries out there. That part of the Gulf, they're saying, is an irreplaceable national asset used by the Department of Defense to develop and maintain the readiness of our combat forces. Pentagon pushing back hard on uh, on uh, reinstating oil and natural gas drilling in that area. I suspect rather strongly they'll get their way, as the administration has shown flexibility on that sort of thing. Yes, yes. Prosecutors filing four additional murder charges against former police officer authorities suspect was the Golden State Killer. These other charges coming out of Santa Barbara County against the 72-year-old former cop. Yeah, and he's pulling the Cosby in court. He's, he's got his eyes closed and his mouth out there. I'm a helpless old man. Even though when they arrested him, he was doing woodworking in his garage. Please. Yeah. What's he hoping for, though? Um, he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison no matter what. I mean, what's he hoping for? You think? I don't know, honestly. Uh, if you can prove that you need more assistance, maybe you get put in some sort of medical-style oh. facility as yeah. opposed to a prison, right. quote-unquote. I, I mean, there ain't going to be no sympathy acquittal here. No, no way. Right. Britain's Sunday Times out with its annual list of the richest people in music. And according to this year's list, here are the top ten wealthiest. Coming in, 10th place, Sting with $300 million. Then it's the Lord of the Dance star, Michael Flatley. Good Lord. $350 million. I was was prepared to hate this list for a variety of reasons. Lord of the Dance guy has more money than Sting. Wow, so he still has his touring companies going all over the world. His hands at his side, dancing around. The most active ankles in all of showbiz. (laughs) Ringo Starr is the eighth wealthiest. He uh, has uh, $355 million tucked away. Ringo Starr. Seventh place. George Harrison's wife and son, 360 mil. Then you move into Stone's territory. You got Keith Richards at 365. Mick Jagger, fifth richest, with 370 million. Elton John, 600 million. That's quite a jump up now to Elton John. Yeah, I'm surprised Mick doesn't have a billion dollars, but he spends a lot. He does, and he's been, remember, he's been married many, many times. Oh, that's times. right. He's got 50 ex-wives and, and like 175 kids. Well, he admired those old bluesmen. Now he lives like them. You two as a band, collectively, $900 million. Oh, that's not fair. Andrew, the whole band. Now, in second place, second wealthiest musician around these days, Andrew Lloyd Webber, $1.2 billion dollars and the richest musician today is sir paul mccartney once again at the top of the annual list the former beatles fortune stands at well over a billion dollars and grew by almost 55 million over the last year good for him there you go it's gonna be weird for him because he is a flaming hippie and always has been any, has a billion dollars. Yeah. Any song post like 85 from that list? I guess Sting probably had some. Post 85? Yeah, 1985, 1990s yeah. music. Yeah. That, that is kind of interesting because you, you don't make that much money being a giant star anymore. Unless you're, you know, the top, top tier. You're Katy's Perry right. and Taylor's right. Swift. Right, and they're, you know, they're... Beyonce's say. And even they <laughs> make a lot less than they would have if they were as big sure. 40 years ago. Yeah. There you go. That's a wrap. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. And that's fine. There's no particular reason you need to end up a billionaire because you can pen tunes. I mean... 
I don't want you to be stolen from, but it's just art, you know? You know, I was thinking about this the other day, that commercial music is to music as art as posters of a cat that says, hang in there, baby, <laughs> is to, like, Joe. painting. I mean, it's just, it has the same relation. <laughs> commercial music is just, it's just, it's different. And it's fine, because people like it. Uh-huh. But people like hang in there, baby posters, too. It reminds me to keep going. <laughs> when you're feeling a little down? Uh, yeah, it is exactly. life affirm that little cat is... That little cat can hang in. I guess I can, too. You get to Friday, and you think, I don't know if I can finish this report on time. But then you look at that poster. So if you could reanimate Vincent Van Gogh and say, hey, Vince, this is what sells, dude. He would react like I react to commercial music. He might stab you with a pen knife. He was crazy. <laughs> well, this is why. This is why. No one appreciates art. So, uh, listen, on a much more serious note, uh, the, the raid gone wrong in Niger, in which we uh, lost several brave service people and found out that we have people there. What happened? The report is out, and it's interesting. We'll have Alex Horton from the WAPO. A lot of screw-ups and a lot of levels. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Got some more Mother's Day stuff. Signs that uh, employees are about to quit might be good for you bosses out there. Oh, boy. Uh, Also, I've been teasing we're going to get to the uh, solar uh, power thing. It's looking more likely we'll get to that Monday. It'll still be a story then. So um, it was horrifying when we find out, uh, you know, four U.S. soldiers were killed in Niger. It was even more horrifying when we had all these politicians coming out and journalists coming out and said, we have soldiers in Niger? That's uh, that's an interesting way to run things. Uh, Apparently, the uh, Pentagon has come out with a report on what exactly happened. And to discuss that, we welcome Alex Horton, reporter for The Washington Post. Alex, uh, not only a a fine journalist, but served in Iraq as an Army infantryman, so knows what he's talking about. Uh, Alex, how are you, sir? Doing well. How are you guys doing? Oh, great. It's nice to be talking to you again. So uh, would it be safe to say that while the report answered some questions, it was somewhat less than satisfying? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a 800 or um, a, a 180 page uh, report that's floating out there that's still classified. Um, so that has a fuller picture than the eight page executive summary that the Pentagon released yesterday. And then the the full unabridged one is thousands of pages. So there is there is a whole lot that the Pentagon, that Africa Command and Special Operations Command knows what happened about the. The, the ambush, but um, you know we're getting very, very few details. Well, and it, we it, had some and it's, yesterday. Yeah, and it's tough because I mean you could easily understand how some of this stuff could be secret. You'd also easily understand how people might be trying to hide information if uh, if mistakes were made. But what do we think we know at this point on how we lost four guys in Niger? So what we know, and some of the new things that that was borne out by the the press conference and the, the report that was released was you know. The, the, one of the main takeaways was Sergeant David Johnson was, you know, fighting to the very end. Uh, you know, he was found with uh, shell casings um, and other things around him, and he took a firing position away from um, the the first ambush site. So the the indications that he might have been captured, that he might have been alive when he was, uh, you know, when insurgents encountered him, 
Um, that turns out not to be not to be true. Um, but there are still some speculation about how long it took to for Americans and Nigerians to reach him and all that. Um, but it seems to be he was recovered after two days. Okay, well, I uh, read... Still remains are taken. I read one summary of this, and tell me if this is right or not, but I read one summary of this that said uh, th- this was a mission that was kind of thrown together at the last minute, and because of that, they didn't have the support you would normally need, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. A lot of mistakes were made. Is that true? Right. So um, Africa Command and the Pentagon have made a lot about these two junior officers that uh, planned and executed the uh, the mission, um, they, they have chastised them because one of them, the, the team commander, um, said he was going on a kind of routine reconnaissance patrol. He was actually going out to find a high-value target associated with the Islamic State. Um, and then uh, another captain uh, approved that mission, and they said that those two guys were the only ones who knew the true nature of this mission. However, once, once that mission was done, um, and what the Pentagon is saying, that was an inappropriate way to describe it, um, they had new intelligence that said this high-value target was in the area, and a battalion commander based in Chad said, go after this guy, you will be the support, and a helicopter assault team will be the main element. So at this point, the battalion commander in Chad knows that this is becoming a riskier and more dangerous operation. But it is still unclear if he shifted resources. Did he get more drones up in the air? Did he notify uh, ground response units in case there was an attack? Um, we don't know. The Pentagon isn't saying. AFRICOM isn't saying. But what we do know is it took almost uh, seven hours for the Nigerian ground unit to get to the site of the ambush. Um, and it took more. Uh, it took almost an hour to scramble helicopters and uh, jets. So I think there's a lot of questions that Africa Command and the senior commanders in say of why did it take so long, and were those folks waiting um, for when this ambush occurred? Well, in your article, which we will link to armstrongandgetty.com so folks can find it really quickly, you answer a number of great great questions. Uh, You ask a number of great questions, including how the enemy gather in such a large group and remain undetected. Right. I mean, how how bad was the situation? I mean, the situation was bad. It looks like there was about a hundred of them, and they they amassed in. Uh, they were very coordinated. They were very uh, discreet. And one of the issues here, and what we still don't know the answer to, is why the ground commander diverted a reconnaissance drone to go look at the uh, the Niger Mali border. Um, my kind of take on that is he suspected that would be where the enemy would gather. Um, but what that might have done is it might have removed an asset that would have seen these guys uh, getting together because they would have they would have uh, joined at some collection point. They would have uh, strategized on what they would do. They're driving um, pickup trucks. They're driving motorcycles. This is shrubland. Dirt would go everywhere. Dust would go everywhere. So you'd be able to see that either with your eyes or you'd be able to see it through reconnaissance or uh, satellite imagery. Um, they missed that. And the enemy was able to set up in multiple locations. I guess as a guy that's never been in the military, um, um, what my question would be is, because I make mistakes at work. Lots of us make mistakes at work, uh, but they don't usually have deadly consequences. Is this the sort of thing where, you know, people aren't perfect. Sometimes you make mistakes. You get in enough uh, situations around the world, sometimes ain't going to be right. Or was it like criminal, you should be fired or something level of negligence? 
Well, I mean, it's it's hard to tell yet because the the summary uh, report had only singled out these two captains, which is definitively the lowest ranking people who had any kind of decision making in the process. Um, the report also says that um, some of them weren't wearing body armor when the attack occurred, um, and the captain had the commander, the commander of the team, the captain. Um, he had previously raised concerns that they didn't have the kind of equipment and intelligence necessary to go on the kind of mission that they were sent on. And in the so, very, very little time we have left, Alex, yeah. I just want to quote your article. Um, sure. A Nigerian helicopter, uh, I'm sorry, Nigerian helicopter took off 40 minutes after the request for support and left the area to avoid a collision with responding French Mirage jets, which were armed but could not engage because they did not have radio contract contact with U.S. troops and could not identify their positions. Ground forces arrived more than six hours later. So that's just awful. Uh, Alex Horton of the Washington Post. Alex, we apologize for cutting it short, but we're out of time. But uh, thanks a million for spending a couple of minutes. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well done. Thank you. Well, I hope the legacy of their lives is we we get better at that. this. I sure hope so, because it sounds just floundering. But if you're in places all over the world doing who knows what without most Americans or even politicians even knowing you're there, I don't know what kind of oversight you get. Helicopters that have to leave because the jets are coming that can't fire. Right. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.